Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 624 for release on Sunday, February 7th, 2021 in WaveScan Today. German radio celebrates 100 years. The latest on radio in Myanmar. And our Japan DX report. It was on December 22nd, just last year, that Germany celebrated its centenary of radio broadcasting with special radio programming to honor the occasion. Just 100 years ago, on Monday, December 22, 1920, Dr. Hans Bredow and his fellow staff personnel at the Koenigswusterhausen radio station presented a special program of music and talks to honor the Christmas occasion. This historic radio event in Germany occurred just seven weeks after the famous first broadcast of medium wave KDKA, or 8ZZ, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the United States. Ray Robinson has our report on 100 years of German radio. Thanks, Jeff. The small town known as Königswusterhausen is located in the German mark or state of Brandenburg, and it's just a dozen miles southeast of Berlin. The German spelling for the name of this town can be transliterated into English several different ways, and it can also be shown as one word or two words. In medieval times, Königswusterhausen was a royal city, complete with an ornate castle. That original historic 1920 radio programme in Germany began around 2pm on December the 22nd, with an opening announcement identifying Königswusterhausen, and the first piece of music, as would be expected, was Silent Night, Holy Night, or in German, Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. Several staff members of the radio station presented instrumental and vocal music as their contribution to this original, though quite short, radio programme. The live broadcast was presented from a temporary indoor studio in the building that was subsequently identified as Zender House No. 1. The studio was soundproofed for the occasion with army blankets and the only available microphone was the mouthpiece of a telephone. At the time, there were four Morse code army-operated wireless transmitters in use at Königswusterhausen, and senior technician Eric Schwarzkopf modified one of those units for the occasion. Schwarzkopf was himself also a talented violinist. The transmitter was a 5kW spark unit, and it radiated the spontaneous programming of live and recorded music on long wave 2400 meters, or 125 kHz. The twin antenna towers stood 330 feet high. At the time, the general population in Germany were forbidden to own a radio receiver, so very few people heard this original first broadcast 100 years ago. The only receivers permitted back then were installed in official government buildings, newspaper offices and banks. 
though it's admitted that some privately held receivers were in operation. It's suggested that the entire audience of official listeners in Germany who tuned into this historic radio broadcast numbered around just 70, though with a few clandestine listeners the total may have been a little higher. However, many listeners in other countries in Europe, as well as radio officers on ships at sea, heard this first radio broadcast from Germany. Radio monitors in Luxembourg, Holland, England and Scandinavia, as well as elsewhere, heard the broadcast, and they responded with letters of appreciation. This 1920 Christmas broadcast was not the first occasion in which Dr Hans Bredow presented a radio transmission. The BBC in London noted an earlier series of experimental radio broadcasts that were made from the Western War Front in continental Europe. Back in May 1917, Bredow transmitted music and speech for the benefit of German troops with the use of army radio equipment. In honour of the centenary of radio broadcasting in Germany, a local organisation known as the Friends of Königs Wusterhausen planned a whole series of commemorative events. The special centenary broadcast last year was planned as part of the Brandenburg State Festival, and it was scheduled to begin at 2pm on Tuesday, December the 22nd, 2020, exactly 100 years precisely to the minute. The original planning indicated that the memorial broadcast last December would be heard widely on 810 kHz medium wave, as well as on FM 93.9 and 105.1 MHz, and on shortwave 5960 kHz from Nowen. However, due to the virus pandemic, these elaborate plans were considerably modified. Dr Hans Bredow officially retired in 1939, though in May 1945 he was appointed as the district president in Wiesbaden. Throughout his lifetime he served in the development of radio, and he's honoured to this day in Germany as the father of radio broadcasting in their country. And we'll have more about the radio scene at Koenigs Wusterhausen on a coming occasion. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray. That was Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. World Radio Day is celebrated each year on February 13th, and this year, 2021, forms the 10th anniversary of the proclamation by UNESCO, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. UNESCO states that radio is a powerful medium for international and local communication, particularly in times of crisis and disaster. And they recommend that all radio stations around the world draw attention to World Radio Day 2021 on Saturday, February 13th. The world is changing. Radio is evolving. For more than a century, radio has been the voice of our society. Voices and music have set the rhythm of our lives. Broadcasts mark their time. Radio has survived through the ages while remaining the relay of a world in perpetual change. The world is changing. Radio is innovating. With new technologies, radio has adapted to our new behaviors and lifestyles. As a medium of mobility, radio has become a multi-platform, accessible to everyone and everywhere. The world is changing. Radio connects. When events change, our daily lives and habits are turned upside down. We have to adapt. Radio provides us with multiple services to exchange, inform, connect. On this World Radio Day, UNESCO and your local station are committed to ensuring that radio continues to evolve, innovate and connect. New world, new radio. For more information, www.worldradioday.org. Well, as you probably know, on Monday, February 1st, 
There was a coup in Myanmar. The military took power. A lot of the media in Myanmar was silenced after that. Just Jacob, our correspondent in India, tells us that the latest monitoring information from Myanmar is that Tazin Radio is back on 6165-9460 and 9590 kHz at various times. That was as of February 2nd. This was monitored by Jose, as well as uh, Pradip Kundu and Babu Gupta. Myanmar Radio is still absent on medium wave and 9730 kHz, etc. And here is a recording of Tazin Radio made by Babu Gupta of Kolkata on February 2nd at 0645 UTC. Babu speaks Burmese and informs that it's a music request program then on 9590 A recording of Tazin Radio in Myanmar, made by Babu Gupta of Kolkata, India. And uh, Jose Jacob in India tells us uh, that Myanmar was noted back on 576 kilohertz, mixing with All India Radio Alapuza from around 1500 UTC on February 2nd. On January 25th, the A21 High Frequency Coordination Conference began. It was scheduled to take place in Tunisia, but due to the pandemic, it's being held online this time. The opening plenary was carried out via WebEx and was hosted by Jerry Plummer of the HFCC Steering Board. Jerry is also the Frequency Manager of WWCR and the Caribbean Beacon, and he's a frequent contributor here on Wavescan. Today, we want to play part of that opening plenary session for you. Welcome, everybody, to this first ever uh, of our HFCC conference meetings uh, in a virtual realm. Uh, it's a true pleasure to see many of the names here that I haven't seen for over a year. And I welcome you back to, uh, to our conference. Uh, it's, our, it's our hope that being virtual would at least allow us to see each other and feel some of the uh, closeness that we developed over the years. So I should say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where in the world that you are. Looking, I can see that we have people from all over the globe, just as a meeting that we typically have. I think most of you guys know me. My name's Jerry Plummer. I'll be your uh, uh, opening, uh, uh, sort of the chairperson for this for this meeting. And... I would like to say in advance that the steering board would like to see B21 to be an on-ground conference, but as everybody knows, time will tell. It's too early for us to tell what may happen, but please rest assured that the steering board is 
is looking at that. And when something is made available and a decision is made, certainly we'll let you know. I'd like to uh, announce uh, beginning that we have four new FMOs that I'd like to uh, identify. Uh, I'll, I'll identify them by their FMO name. Uh, first off, we've got DNK, who I believe is attending today, too. I think Mark is here. Uh, that's the administration of Denmark. And then we have three stations, three FMOs. Uh, from, yeah, there we go, Frederick, okay. Uh, three FMOs that'll be from stations in Holland. PIE, uh, Radio Pipsender, uh, MIK, which is Mike Radio, and then RDI, which is Radio Delta International. There'll be two, uh, excuse me, four new FMOs, and I wanted to uh, acknowledge them and also let you know who those who those were as you're looking at your uh, coordinations. Uh, at this time, I'd like to turn the uh, floor over to Jeff, who I believe has got a um, uh, an opening speech for us. Uh, thanks, Jerry, and uh, good morning, everyone from Florida. Uh, I'm happy to see so many people here also, uh, so many people registered for the uh, A21 conference. I think we have well over 70 participants, and most of them are, are with us right now. Uh, these include many of our regular delegates from around the world, as well as some organizations that are new to us, uh, as uh, Jerry mentioned, and some that we haven't seen for quite some time. So uh, welcome to our delegates from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, All India Radio, uh, the Broadcasting Radio and Television Concern of Ukraine, uh, the Palestinian Broadcasting Corporation, uh, the Office of Electronic Communications of Poland, Vanuatu Broadcasting and Television Corporation, Voice of Vietnam, and uh, what would have been, I guess, our co-hosts in Tunis this time, uh, L'Office National de la Télédiffusion de Tunisie. I'm not sure if uh, they're with us right now. Um, I'm speaking to you from the WRMI transmitter site in Okeechobee, Florida, which is about uh, three hours north of Miami and two hours south of Orlando. Uh, we're located here on a large cattle ranch in the central part of the state of Florida. A very rural area, and the internet services are somewhat limited here, so I, I hope I'm coming through okay to everybody. Really, never did we think that the uh, that our 30th anniversary coordination conference would be canceled last August uh, due to a pandemic. We were looking forward to a great meeting there at the uh, Sofia Balkan Hotel in Bulgaria, uh, but you all know the situation. Uh, right after our A20 conference in Kuala Lumpur, uh, the COVID situation got so bad that international travel became virtually impossible for the rest of the year. So the B20 conference became virtual, which meant uh, basically by email bilaterally. Uh, we got the job done, but uh, I think we all agreed that it wasn't nearly as effective as an in-person meeting. So we look forward to an in-person meeting this week in Tunis, headquarters of the Arab States Broadcasting Union. However, as the months went along and the COVID situation did not really improve, it eventually became obvious to us that the A21 conference was going to have to be virtual as well. So we started thinking about ways to make this conference a bit more lively and interactive than the last one. Uh, we experimented with some virtual meeting software and decided that we should attempt a live virtual meeting by WebEx for this opening plenary. 
and for the closing plenary on February 11th, as well as for a series of WPLOT seminars and the group of experts meeting on February 3rd. Uh, at least we can see some of our colleagues on the computer screen this time. Uh, and then we'll hope for the best for an in-person meeting for the B21 conference, which we have rescheduled for Sophia this coming August. Uh, of course, we'll have to observe the virus and vaccine situation, and we'll make a final decision about B21 uh, over the coming weeks. Meantime, the steering board has been working on a number of projects, and I just want to mention one of them, which, in my opinion, is one of the most important documents the HFCC has ever produced. Last year, one of our members asked us to write a document about the continued importance of shortwave as a medium for international broadcasting. And uh, we've been working on this for months now, uh, although the initial draft was written mainly by Sergio Salvatore and Horst Schultz, the document has been a collaborative effort of the HFCC, ASBU, and ABU representatives on the steering board. And you can find that document now on the private area of the HFCC website. After a few more minor tweaks, the final version uh, will appear on the public area of the website, and it will be made available to all members, non-members, station management, publications, and other websites. That document contains some very interesting statistics about the number of hours of shortwave transmissions registered from 2010 to 2020, as well as the target areas of these broadcasts in an aggregate form. It also shows these statistics for a few individual stations. Overall, shortwave transmissions have been reduced by a substantial amount between 2010 and 2020, but they're still at a significant level some 64,000 hours per week. Now, some stations have reduced or eliminated shortwave transmissions over this period, while others have maintained around the same level of broadcasts, and yet others have even increased their hours of transmission overall and to certain target areas. The report indicates areas where the internet is not widely available, and it says that the weak points of the internet, FM, and satellites are actually the strong points of shortwave. For example, shortwave broadcasts reach listeners over large areas far away from the transmitting site. They are free to air. No subscription is necessary. With shortwave, the listener cannot be identified. With shortwave, there is not any need for previous agreements from administrations of the territory where the broadcast is directed. And very importantly, many shortwave receivers are portable and inexpensive. So the conclusion of the report is that from a technical point of view, one day there may be some medium capable of replacing shortwave, but not at this time. In the meantime, broadcasters should be committed to maintaining their shortwave transmissions, at least to regions where a critical need for the platform continues. So now let me uh, hand the microphone over to Mosin Gumam of the ASBU for his opening remarks. Mosin? Good morning, uh, everyone. So uh, on behalf of uh, the ESBO, so I welcome all the participants. I wish that the coordination work is under good conditions, uh, despite the, some difficulties of uh, the virtual meeting, I know. And I hope uh, that uh, we will meet uh, in a physical meeting uh, after the end of the pandemic uh, as soon as possible. 
I uh, inform uh, all the Arab representatives and I thank them for their uh, attending this uh, meeting. And uh, I wish all the best for all the coordination efforts. That was part of the opening plenary session of the HFCC A21 conference that uh, took place on January 25th. The conference is being held online for three weeks, and Jerry Plummer and I will have a lot more about the meeting coming up on future editions of WaveScan. Now let's have some DX news from Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shortwave Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. BBC via Philippines was heard on 6150 kHz on January 5th from 2200 to 2300 UTC in English. SIO rating was 454. World News was on the air, followed by Newsroom at 2206, News at 2230, and World Business Report at 2232. KTWR from Guam was heard on 12040 kHz on January 4th from the sign-on at 12.44 with interval signal to the sign-off at 12.55 UTC. Hindi program was aired from 12.45 to 12.50, then Reaching Your World in English was broadcast. Radio Free Asia via Saipan was heard on 9390 kHz on January 1st from 1230 to 1300 UTC in Kumail. SIO rating was 252. Idea was given at 1230, then talk program started. German-based Radio Iran International via Yerevan, Armenia, was received on 5830 kHz on January 3rd from 16.05 to 16.45 UTC in Persian. SIO rating was 3.53. Talk program with the local song was broadcast. ID was given at 16.30. Voice of the Islamic Republic of Iran was heard on 13690 kHz on January 10th from 12.25 to the sign-off at 12.49 UTC in Dari. SIO rating was 3.53. Talk program with local song was on the air. From the Isle of Music via Bulgaria was heard on 9400 kHz on January 10th from the sign-on at 1500 to 1530 UTC in English. SIO rating was 2.52. Talk program by a male announcer with Cuban pop music was broadcast. Voice of Hope Africa from Lusaka, Zambia, was received on 4965 kHz on January 7th from 2045 to the sign-off at 2100 UTC in English. SIO rating was 242. Preach was aired until 2049, then pop music was played. ID was given at 2100, then station signed off. Radio Ndarason International via Ascension was heard on 12050 kHz on January 6 from 1915 to 1929 UTC in Kanuri. SIO rating was 553. Talk program by a female announcer was on the air. 
Jingu and Aidi were given at 19.20, then local music was played. Radio Havana, Cuba was heard on 13740 kHz on January 1st from 0002 to 0020 UTC in Spanish. SIO rating was 352. Interval signal and ID were given at 0002. Then talk program by a male announcer and a Cuban pop music program started. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSO cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSO cards by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl at live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSO card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248 8691 Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we would like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, Mr. Kazuaki Oikawa, and Mr. Hiroyuki Akiba for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Showtime Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. We end WaveScan today with music of Georges Bizet.、Uh, this is、uh, the famous opera Carmen, sung in German, performed by the choir and orchestra of the State Opera of Dresden. Carl Berm is the conductor. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, The early radio scene in Burma, Myanmar, the 75th anniversary, and our Philippine DX report. Several QSL cards are available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for the program to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand. We'll give you in a moment. And also to the station your radio is tuned to WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa. Or to the IRRS Italy, or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air. Here in the program, they will also verify with their own colorful QSO card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. We appreciate your reception reports, all of which are QSL'd in due course. However, we do request that when you're sending a reception report, To Adventist World Radio by email, please send it to only one AWR email address without a copy to other AWR email addresses. Now, here is the only email address for AWR QSLs it's qsl at awr.org. 
The only postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, not reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.